All right, everyone. We're gonna uh, we're gonna get started. Thanks again. Uh, great turnout. Nothing like a presentation after uh, carb loading. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Tom Spady again, your moderator here with the PFA. We have a great topic today, talking about corporate culture. Um, our panelists, who briefly introduced themselves at, at the end, Rocco uh, Fiorentino. Um, you know, you name a role in franchising that Rocco has not done it, not only done it, but probably uh, perfected it. I've been lucky enough to know Rocco for, for many years, I think even before I was an attorney. Uh, like all our panelists this session, Rocco's a CFE, Certified Franchise Executive, something you, know, you guys who are serious about franchising should look into. Uh, active leader of the IFA, including you know, past board member and, and leader on the membership committee. Uh, he's been a Krispy Kreme area developer and franchisee, former Benetrend CEO, um, board member for many franchisors that, that we've worked with in his current role is as uh, you know, president and CEO of Primo Hoagies. So thank you, Rocco. Uh, very thankful to have you joining us here today. Um, next is uh, Raj Bhatt. Raj also brings a very diverse franchise background, both as a franchisee, uh, co-founder, and franchisor now, and CFO of, of Whoops. I've gotten to know him really well over the last year. I mean, just a, a great leader and, and cares about his franchisees and the culture, and I thought this was a really good, a good fit. Um, involved in different brands like Planet Fitness and, and that. A lifelong entrepreneur, um, but the only person I know, if you've known Raj um, from before, who has lost weight by a carb-heavy diet. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's more interesting than anything we're going to talk about today, by the way. That's in the next panel. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the next panel. Um, so thank you, Raj, for taking the time and coming down from New York to join us. Stacy Kimmins, I've known for many years, a, a, a good friend and, and client. Um, she is a recently minted CFE, just got that at this year's IFE, IFA convention. So um, welcome to the club. She's the owner and president of Fun Bus, a children's enrichment program, you know, taking a school bus and, and turning it um, into a gym to bring around the kids for both birthday parties and enrichment for schools. Um, She's really transformed the business so through her ownership. It was really a part-time sort of hobby, and she's moved it to um, a more business-to-business -business model with multiple buses and that, and that's sort of, you certainly have had your trials and travails of changing a uh, whole culture. So, so thank you, we appreciate it, and uh, appreciate everybody's continued support. So uh, as you know, um, the topic, why culture matters in franchising, and those of you who have been here before, this is a, you know, it's a big room, but small enough to keep it interactive, so this is really about Q&A and questions, um, so if you have questions, please raise your hand and ask them. You know, I'll, I'll get started here. Um, so, you know, for starters, I think we were talking about this a little bit at the, at the table as well. How do you guys, as we get into culture, how do you vet franchisees? Maraca, you're commenting about how it's hard to know, you know, who you know and who you don't. Um, how do you vet franchisees to be a good fit for your culture? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Tom, so, um, you know, depending on your culture, we still all kind of have the same challenge. We meet a lot of candidates and we try to understand if they're a good fit for our system or, frankly, if we're a good fit for them. And as long as I've been doing this, you know, I still admit that I really can't pick the winners and the losers. And I've kind of gotten to the point where sometimes I believe the folks that I like more up front turn out to be less of a good franchisee. The folks that I don't necessarily maybe connect with personally, uh, I kind of describe them as a good bottle of scotch. You have to acquire a taste for them. 
and I learned to like them over time because they're much more focused on their business, their financial performance. And one of the things we mentioned at the table is a little bit of a good metric for me is uh, I like to spend some time with franchise candidates until such time as maybe, maybe I can't. But I like to take them to lunch or dinner and watch their interaction with certainly our staff, but more importantly, the servers, because that's so important to me. And when I see someone who's very forgiving or very polite and understands what's going on, I like that. If I have someone that's uh, certainly a little bit of a high maintenance uh, customer for the, for the server, or they're rude or arrogant to the server, I know what I should expect in my system. So although I would never tell them what we're doing, I kind of use that as an evaluation tool, and, and it works more often than not, Tom. That's great, that's great. Raj, you wanna? Sure, I'm gonna echo what um, Rocco said. So. Definitely, we all know it's important to bring on the right franchisees, and we do a whole day uh, discovery day, and we're looking, we're taking tabs on how the franchisee spends the day with us, and we're uh, in a formal office environment. We're out and about looking at our locations. We're interacting with customers, so we're looking at their excitement. We're looking at <clears throat> um, how they handle different stresses throughout the day to really see. Do we have the right franchisee who's going to rep number one represent our brand, who's also going to enjoy our brand when the you know going gets tough? Uh, it's not about that in first interaction or uh, the monthly meetings you're going to have with your franchisees. It's uh, when things get tough. How are you going to be able to interact with them? And is the relationship going to be cordial or not? Um, so really trying to get a holistic view of who they are, um, how they interact with family. Just really getting a full picture of who they are uh, is the key thing to better understand uh, if they're the right franchisee or not. And how about you, Stacy, about vetting franchisees? Whoop. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think I got it. <laughs> you already got the question. Yeah. Um, I think we have a similar process during our discovery day. We're not only looking to see if we would enjoy having a drink with this person, we need to be able to get along on a, on a local level, um, but we're also bringing them out into the field, and our business is a relationship building business, so we're really looking at uh, their response to when we meet a daycare director and how they respond to start immediately building their relationship and representing the brand. Uh, we, in our culture, you've gotta love children and you've gotta be fun, so we're looking for each of those elements also when we bring them out there. Um, but we also spend a lot of time talking about what the culture was in Funbus and where we're going, because uh, in our case, we're a re-emerging brand looking to change that culture. So they have to understand where we came from, but we need, we're looking for the people who are on board and proving to us that they're ready to move forward in the new culture. That's good, I wanna get to that, because I think changing culture, I think everybody here has experienced something, but as sort of a, a baseline, right? Like those of us at the IFA, we saw, you know, Gary Vee was talking a lot about culture and this and how you build it, and it sort of is the buzzword. What is it? What is culture? How would you define culture? What does that, what, what does that mean to you guys? <laughs> we actually talked about this a little, a little ahead of time, and uh, I actually looked it up. I Googled it, <laughs> because it's a, it's, I think it's, a, it's, it's different to everybody. It's a lot of things, but it's to us, it's a similar set of beliefs. It's an understanding that we're part of a brand, it's that we're part of um, one system, one team. Um, I think, in my brand, uh, people went rogue, we call it, where they kind of started doing their own thing and it was a little bit of every man for themselves. And the effort that we made was, okay, our new culture is we're not that. We're gonna bring it back to neutral and we're gonna go forward together as a group. And that's what we're looking for in new franchisees, but that's kind of how we define what our culture is in our brand. So I define culture as the human element in relationships. And 
Um, if you really think about kind of how technology is coming about and shifts in franchising, it seems technology is becoming more commoditized. You know, everyone can uh, have similar types of technology. Everyone can have similar types of uh, broker networks and whatnot within franchising. But it's what makes you special and what makes you different um, is that element that you have with your franchisees. Or no, first within your corporation and your franchise company, how you interact with your employees, how you how do you know them? What are you doing for their personal development? How much are they enjoying your firm? Um, and you know what, what you're building there, and then that hu human element with the fr franchisees, and then you know in the end all the way down to the employees of the brand. Um, so that's if you can, if someone can really talk about um, how people interact and how they're growing within the firm. I think I see that as culture, and. <clears throat> There's some great books out there, but uh, you, know, you, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he's a firm believer um, in the fact that technology is becoming commoditized, and the one that the thing that's going to separate uh, the best brands from the ones that stay behind or um, is going to be culture. Um, the fact that, <clears throat> actually, with a show of hands, which companies here within your firm, uh, you could be a vendor or a franchisor, has a person solely focused on developing culture, whether it's a chief fun officer, chief heart officer, three, four, five, you know. So uh, that goes to say that the, uh, this is where I just nominated of, Nicole. OK, there you're you are now in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, company, companies are recognizing that in order for you to retain your staff, retain franchisees, uh, have better validation, and for the franchisees to have a better experience, you need someone to be able to systematically build a culture, no different than an IT system, and to implement it and to make sure everyone is kind of within the, uh, the spectrum of what you want as a culture because you know, that's your brand, that's your essence, and you have to focus in on it. That's great. So Raka, how would you define culture? You know, Tom, the best way for me to define it is it's our DNA of the brand. And I look at the brand and I recognize that our franchisees and we, the franchisor, really uh, are all about one brand. It's just that we have two different roles. Uh, as Tom told you, I was a franchisee, a large franchisee for Krispy Kreme. So I look at our franchisees as partners. I mean, frankly, they invest in our brand. They write us a check every week. So they're really partners. And I want to treat them as partners because I think that's so important. And uh, you know, I'll never forget uh, back in 2012 when I took over as CEO for Benetrends, the 35-year-old company, our founder was a, um, uh, a pension attorney, so ran the company, great, great foundation. But uh, I took over and had 65 people in the room. And when I interviewed all the people before I took over, uh, one thing was very consistent. Uh, there was a little bit of a lack of communication, which is very common in a lot of organizations. So when I met the team and I said, you know, I'm the new CEO, I said, but before we get started, I wanted to share with you all that I had to fire someone this morning. So everybody looked around the room and said, oh my God, who got fired? Looking for the empty office or somebody walking out the parking lot with their box in their hand. I said, when I met everyone, uh, I recognized that um, there's a number of things that this person did that I'm not in agreement with. So before I got started, I made my first fire. So I said, I fired they. Well, who is they? Well, they is the person you all told me. Actually, you blamed for everything. You said, they didn't pay me enough. They don't really talk to me enough. They don't care about my opinion. They had the worst reputation of all the employees in the, in the office. So I had no choice but to fire they. 
And now I said, now you can't blame they for anything because if they didn't tell you, it's probably because you didn't ask. So my office is open. I took the lock off the door. Anytime they don't tell you because he's gone, you come see me and I'll be sure that I tell you. So that kind of set the tone for, listen, we're all in this together. But for me, I look at it as customer-centric. We have an amazing product, but that's not good enough. You have to have amazing service. And that's where the rubber meets the road. It's the simplest thing. I don't know if any of you seen uh, Chick-fil-A recently uh, distracted the industry and said, all we're going to do is say please and thank you. How simple is that? But how many people do it? We're all consumers, right? How many times do we go somewhere really unhappy about the way someone treats us? Sometimes I go up to the counter, no one even looks at me, let alone says hello. So you know, I say, hi, good morning, how are you? Or in your elevator, right? So we try to get customer-centric, and my customer, frankly, my first-line customer, is my franchisee. My indirect customer is our consumer to the stores. So I have a lot of customers, I have a lot of rings to kiss, and that's the way we look at it, and that's our job. So on that note, and Stacy to go to kind of go back, and we can share this one um, about changing a culture. What are some of the challenges when people don't necessarily agree, but they're sort of franchisees and they're entrenched, and you can't necessarily tell they to pack up and leave? You know, how do you manage that? The the people who are staying in, in that culture. Um, communication. Um, talking a lot about where we're going, where we came from, giving a lot of thanks, and um, you know. Thank you for being who you were for our brand, but a lot of understanding as to where we're going. Um, there was some loss along the way, certainly, when we went through that process, but I think that um, we can't deny the value of what we're doing, so we continually focus on, um, as Rocco's saying, our end customers and the expectation that we have for uh, what kind of service they should be providing, and I think that as long as you've got that strong, you can always fall back on that. So we did have some loss, but people understood why we were going to where we were going to. So um, we're a franchisor with about 50 locations. And uh, obviously, the, all the co-founders are still with us, and we've grown the brand um, indirectly with the culture. But you get to a point where you, you have to take an assessment and say, all right, we've grown. Where are we with our culture? You know, are we on track? And it was only last year we said, okay, um, we're seeing that it's not so formalized. Um, and there are some franchisees who don't understand our culture. There are some employees who don't understand our culture. And uh, but as as co-founders, we thought, hey, we had the right, the best culture. So we had to take an assessment, sit down, lock ourselves in a room for a couple of days, and define who we are, what we want what is the right employee and you know we had to make some uh, hard decisions we had great couple of great employees but frankly they were cancerous um, they made other people feel like crap and so unfortunately that's one thing that's going to stop you from your own growth um, is not the right people so we had to make the, the hard decision uh, make some changes and we're now implementing a formal culture and being much more mindful of it uh, especially as we grow so um, you know, that's kind of my takeaway in terms of changing culture or taking an assessment as you continue to grow. Can you give me an example or any of you of when you said, struggling with a culture change, of when you finally said like, oh wait, that's it. You know, some aha moment when you know. Uh, so Tom, I just recently took over a 15-year-old brand. And I think um, for a lot of good reasons, uh, the culture uh, was more command and control instead of encourage and inspire. And I'm more the encourage and inspire guy. 
However, sometimes you do need to command and control because you've got a brand to protect and we're brand ambassadors. And there's strengths and weaknesses with both of those. Sometimes uh, encourage and inspire um, allows people to take advantage of you. Sometimes command and control does not allow people to communicate or participate or advocate for your brand. So there's a fine line there and we're going through some changes, any brand should. Uh, some people are, are open to change, a lot of people are not open to change or they want 20 reasons why they should change. So I think first and foremost I had to earn their trust. I had to get the stripes on my sleeve that says I can trust this person and I can follow them. And I'm sure all of us have worked for a lot of great leaders. There are some leaders I worked for that I would follow off a cliff because I know I would land safe. There's other leaders I wouldn't walk in a room of $100 bills with sticky soles because I know I'm not coming out. And it depends on what leader you want to be or what leader you think you need to be for that brand. So, you know, I'm going through that now. We're not done yet. It's, it's two years, and I've got another two years of the process. And a lot of it is just making sure that we, we do communicate and we ask them to participate. It's their brand as well. And a lot of great ideas, you heard it a million times, come from franchisees. So why would we be foolish enough not to get their opinion? They're the ones on the front line with their thumb on the poles doing it every day. So I always believe all of us are so much smarter than one of us. So you've got to allow them to, to have a process to do that. So we've anything we do, whether it's menu engineering or POS, we always get franchisees involved. And, I, and by the way, I get good buy-in so that for the Johnny-come-latelys that are never wanting to change, they can talk to the franchisees who are part of that process. It makes our job a lot easier. No, that's important. Any questions here? Anybody? Uh, I can. I'll, I'll continue to just monopolize because I'm enjoying this. Um, but if you got, but I have my back turned. So if anybody has any questions, please put put up your hand. Um, so another so on leadership, maybe you guys can both comment on that. And I agree. I think uh, Rocco, it starts at leadership, and that's the role of the franchisor. So you know, any any thoughts or comments on that? You both have a microphone, so. <laughs> I mean, it's, for me, it's pretty obvious. Uh, the culture starts at the top, so it doesn't matter how you define your culture, but if the leaders aren't following it um, and living it day in, day out, the, the employee is going to be confused and say, wait a second, it's nice that the employee manual or the, um, the brand manual says one thing, but if the, the leaders aren't following it, no one's going to follow it. And at that point, your whole culture um, is confusing. So to be able to maintain a strong culture, all the leaders have to live it. And uh, even if you have to make the hard decisions to, you know, uh, even if it's a co-founder who's not living that culture that you've defined, you might have to make some changes. And so. are you trying to coach and teach that leadership so that your franchisees become? Is there a specific culture part in your training? There isn't. Um, I mean, for us, since I have the mic, sorry. Um, we don't have something that's actually defined as culture. We do talk about our brand promise, and there's certain aspects of it, um, not the, the softer things. Uh, but of course, you know, we talk about great customer service, um, empathy, um, uh, you know, how do you treat your employees, how do, how do we want our employees to treat our customers. Uh, but there are other softer things that could be defined, and I think that's a good, you know, a, a good thing to add and uh, you know, put in as, your as part of your training um, your training process with the franchisees. Uh, Tom, there's a question over there. I wanted to add that to what Brad said in the development of the Wolf's brand. One thing that was unique that I've known was they had a tone of voice manual. The tone of voice manual was different for me. It's kind of a, a draft behind the trademark standards, but it was 
employees how to present the brand. And then they're teaching all their employees how to be an ambassador of the brand and stuff. So I think for those of you in the back, what, or maybe you can expand on that, the tone of voice. Sure. So we did an exercise um, more for the brand and marketing. Uh, we created a tone of voice document, really trying to say uh, what, are the, what is the language that we use on our website, um, communicating with employees, communicating with customers. Um, how do we po do posts on Facebook? You know, there are certain styles, you know, being sarcastic. We don't do that. We're being nice, friendly. Uh, those are key parts of our tone of voice, uh, but it's been something that we've spread to our franchisees and to our employees just to make sure that they're saying the same thing that uh, Jay is referring to as uh, that's been something that's unique to our culture in a sense, and it, it does define how we want to treat others um, and how we want to communicate, and that is a key part of our culture. So that is something that we've uh, embedded in our culture and are communicating. Yeah, Tom, one thing I wanted to add is, um, you know, all of us, as we um, select our franchisees, uh, we have to recognize that if they've never been an entrepreneur, certainly they can follow our system. Uh, they can take a transaction at the register. But they really need training on being an entrepreneur. And, and I always share with my franchise candidates that sign on with us that their priority job is to develop a great team and then manage a great team. It's more important than anything else in the restaurant. Develop a great team, manage a great team. If you can do that, you can build your store and build many more. But a lot of times they don't have, it's funny, if, if they were entrepreneurs before, we have to corral them. If they've never been an entrepreneur, we have to teach them how to be one. And that is even more important than the process or the product or the transaction. Because I say to them all the time, you know, I don't want you at the register. It's not the best use of your time. I want you to manage your business. I want to look at it from a thousand feet. I want you to make sure that your performance financially is, is so important. You have to kind of look at all the metrics and find out what's going on. All too often, franchisees get so busy with the customers up front, they forget about the back end. And then I expect the, uh, the P&Ls to come in every month, and there's always an excuse why they're late. It's because it's not a priority, and it's not important to them, or they don't use it as a guide or a dashboard. So we're putting more and more emphasis on that as we go forward and try to vet that out as we go through the process and make sure that they are able to manage a business, not just do a process or be the manager. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. We had a very, very similar experience. We, um, you know, everybody talks about working in your business or on your business, and we had the shift of getting people to work on their businesses and understand you know, profitability and all that stuff too. So we do talk culture immediately during the beginning of training on, and it's embedded in a lot of our training, even right down to how do you answer the phone <laughs> and you know the please and the thank you and all that fun st stuff too. Um, you mentioned an aha moment. Uh, during our re-emergence, we went out and vetted um, franchise development companies who came in and worked through the validation process with some of our franchisees, and that was my aha moment, that the culture wasn't being communicated from the franchisees during our validation process. So it's maybe simple, very basic, but that was a great spot for me to sit in to say, okay, that's where we need to work on first. Uh, and I watched a podcast uh, called Culture Over Strategy, or Culture Eats Strategy, because I had lots of strategy, but my culture wasn't strong enough. So that became an aha moment. Well, that's good. Yeah, and we were talking about that, that culture versus strategy. What do you start with? Yeah. Um, and then when you're vetting, so I guess Raj and, and Rocco and then 
say Stu has put on your hat as the franchisee hat, you know, when you were an investor in that. And I think you had made a comment that, you know, culture is a really good leading indicator. So for the franchisees in the room or people exploring different franchises, how, how can someone who's not in charge of the culture, but who is looking at matching the culture, how can they, what's their approach? So I've been a franchisee of three systems, um, Planet Fitness, Lightbridge Academy, and Aroma Espresso Bar. Um, and when we, before I built Whoops, uh, you know, I, kinda, I was a co-founder, but more angled as an investor, a little bit as an outsider, outsider initially. And um, the three times that I've decided on a franchise, the number one most important thing was culture, because what it comes to, I mean, I'm sure all of us can think about your favorite job. I'm sure it wasn't the one that paid the most. It was the one where, yeah, you might have worked hard, but you really learned a lot, had a lot of fun. When it was stressful, it was still, you know, a whole bunch of uh, camaraderie and uh, great people to work with. And so franchising is very difficult. Um, it's stressful. Um, it can be exciting to join a brand, but the day you actually sign the franchise agreement, that's when the, work, uh, the hard work starts. Um, so, it, you know, it's so important to, as a franchisee, to make sure you're aligned with uh, the right culture and to know that, number one, can you get along with the franchise management team or the franchisor? Um, and if things go wrong, is there going to be support? And uh, when you feel like you're on an island and you're running your own store, is there someone you can pick up the phone and actually enjoy or have a drink with, whatever? And uh, in all the three, the three times that I selected the franchise, um, I had a strong feeling from the interactions that I had with the, the management team, um, from validation, and um, just kind of third-party reviews and, uh, online and whatnot. And it did turn out to be true. Um, so I think that's important. Again, having that strong culture helps with validation. Uh, but when I was in that franchisee um, evaluation role, uh, it played a, a big role. Yeah, Tom, I'd add to that. Uh, you know, when I meet franchise candidates, I always share with them that we want you to take as much time as you need within reason to make your decision. And certainly, if you're looking at other brands, please meet the senior team, meet the executives. That's the marriage you're going to have. It's going to be your professional marriage. So we're going to have a contract, much like a marriage license. And we've got to get through life together, and we have to understand each other. So that's so important. It's probably even more important than the actual brand or the product or the service that you're providing. Because at the end of the day, we all have to get along. Once we sign that franchise agreement, I want to put it in the file and never have to take it out again. Yeah. That's the goal. I'd rather fix a problem than win a lawsuit. No one wins, but unfortunately, Tom, the lawyers, I, of course. I agree with that. And uh, we, we, we try to avoid that. No, and, and I know you're, you're, you're a very proactive no, attorney. And I, I, I totally agree. I actually say the same thing. The franchise agreement should be, it's like the Constitution, right? It should yeah. govern the relationship deeply. You shouldn't be whipping that out every time there's a, a problem. No, you're right. And you know, as, as a leader, I think people ex expect me to deliver uh, what my vision is for the company, what my passion is. And when it comes to passion, I think we talked about it earlier, I think everyone needs to have that passion. All of us would agree that if we did something we really loved, we'd never work a day in our lives. We heard it a million times. But why do we choose things that we don't love? What happened? How did we get here? So I always try to figure out whether it's an employee we're hiring or a franchise candidate. I say, so uh, tell me what, do uh, you have any hobbies? Hobbies? I don't have hobbies. I have three kids. I can't have a hobby. I could never expect that individual to be passionate about anything. Now, if they said to me, I'm a coin collector and I love that, 
I know that they can have a passion for what we may be doing. So it's kind of a little bit of another test I find out if they really have the ability to be passionate. It's really simple. And uh, most people will just exude that passion when, when, when they talk to you about it. So whatever it is, I don't care if it's the most boring thing to us, it's the most exciting thing to them. If it's bird watching, it's boring to me, but it's exciting to them and I know that they can be passionate about something. And then, you know, we're in the food business, so it's seven days a week. I say to them, why would you want to spend money to be overworked and underpaid? Now, if they're going to find themselves in the restaurant, that's what's going to happen because it's not the best use of their time. If they're really going to be an entrepreneur, they're going to say, well, I don't expect to be in the restaurant and be overworked and underpaid. I'm going to run two or three or four of these and be overpaid and underpaid. So all turns out to be for the better. Questions before I start calling on people? Yeah, go ahead, Don. <laughs> So how do you communicate the culture, not just to the, but all the way down to the employee? A little thoughts there. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, we can always do better. So thank you for bringing that up, certainly. But our online training platform uh, allows our brand standard training to be um, offered to our individual uh, employees of our franchisees. It's not employment law. We won't right. get into that. But it's brand standard training and expectation so they know what they're, what, you know, they're supposed to be doing to represent our brand. We talk about brand, brand, brand. What is the Fun Bus brand? What do we represent? What are our core values? And then we also try to meet a lot of the employees, especially the management team that they bring aboard and represent the brand and bring that passion to them a lot. But we can do a, more. So, great idea. The card's a good idea. Card is a good idea. Similar to Stacey, we're in the same. Okay. <laughs> That's my CHO, my chief heart officer. Uh, we're in the same boat. Uh, we're right now building an online platform for training uh, down to the, to the employee level um, to talk about culture and communicate that. Love the card idea, Love so that. I think uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, so we have as many cheat sheets as we can put in a store without looking junky. And we, we kind of have our primo promise. For me, uh, I always share with everyone, never ever mess up an apology with an excuse. It really doesn't matter. Well, we couldn't answer the phone because my secretary was getting coffee. No one cares if she was getting coffee. They care that the phone didn't get answered. So you have to say, oh my God, thank you so much for allowing us to be a better company and know that we stubbed our toe. How can I make it up to you? And typically when you ask that question, they'll only want something much less than you're willing to give. But if you don't ask that question, the guard goes up and, and it elevates to, to, to a point where we don't want it to. So you know, our goal is always to make every customer a champion, regardless of what it takes. And I'll be honest with you, I, would, I love to be the first one on the phone with an elevated complaint. I love getting on the phone and saying, oh my God, I am the CEO. You made me aware of what we did wrong. How can I change this? How can we be a better company? And how can I make it better for you? When that happens, guard goes down, she's all mine, he's all mine, I'm making them a champion at the end of that phone call, for sure.
and you're teaching them how they should be dealing with the phone call when they get it if they're the CEO of theirs. So that's I don't want to take all those calls, but right, I'm happy right, right. to. But I mean, <laughs> if that's the franchisee, if you're, you know, you would hope that they would get that message that you know that's how we're treating, that's how you should treat. Go ahead, Andrew. So I'll talk about that. Obviously, I'm a college uh, franchisee. It is evident because it's top down. You go to Brand Central, it's the same. You go to every franchisee, it's the same. It's everywhere. It's on the posters, on the wall. So the hardest thing is letting your employees know that it's not just you, right? Because sometimes it comes off gimmicky, you're we're orange and green. But when you start getting together and bringing other franchisees in on it and other employees, that's where I think the culture actually gets created. You know, it's top down, but it's also franchisee to franchisee. When everybody sees everybody's doing it, everybody's buying in, everybody's going to the next level. So that's where I think the main thing is, yes, it's important top down, but it's more important encouraging side-to-side -side communication just as much. Good, that's good. Other uh, thoughts? I think there was another question over there. So what about on the reverse? Like how do you manage when, you know, a culture is, is um, when you're getting a backlash from say a franchisee, you know, how do you handle that backlash? People who don't want to say get on board and, and do that. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, every five years we have renewals and it allows us in retail to freshen up the stores, do some upgrades, get new menu boards, whatever it is. And every once in a while, we get a franchisee that says, you know, gee, I can't afford these upgrades. I said, well, OK, um, they're required for us to you know, continue to build our brand and look consistent. So just had one recently. I won't tell you where it's at. And he said, well, I can't afford it. I just can't do it. I said, OK, why don't we do this? Um, why don't we not renew your franchise agreement? It's just, I always call it poking gently. Why don't we not renew your franchise agreement? I'm going to do something better for you. I'm going to rip up your non-compete. See, I would love to compete with you. You never do any of the marketing. You don't want to reinvest in your store. You would be my perfect competitor. I would love for you to compete right next door because I'm going to take over this one and you can go anywhere you want. I'm going to rip that thing up right now. Hmm. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, you poked at me gently. I'm going to do it. I said, just follow the system. So sometimes, you know, you have to be a little um, aggressive, you know, and I hate to do that. But. I like that. Um, I think it's just having that heart-to-heart -heart conversation. As long as you can be consistent with your culture. Um, if a franchisee comes to you and says, hey, uh, I don't, you know, don't want to do this culture, but if you're not consistent with it, they have a right to say um, that they don't want to follow it because they're seeing other examples of it. Um, but if, you're, if as a franchisor you're being consistent, then you have to draw the hard line and say, look, you know, this is the way we're going uh, if you're changing up the brand. And, um, either you can continue with us, or it's just going to be a painful next rest of the you know the period of time. So either you want out, you know this is your time to sell, but definitely we want you on board and to join up. And so I think when they realize that the relationship could get more painful, either they um, shape up or ship out. I think we're oh. no, it's no. okay. <laughs> um, very similar. We've had some tough conversations over the last couple of years, and uh, there's some you get to a point where you're going to be in that similar situation that Rocco's talking about, where you kind of have to say, you know, sorry, you kind of have to say, if you know, if we're not going to change, we're not going to move forward. Luckily, I haven't been there. We've been pretty flexible, knowing that we were on a reemergence and we had to change a few people around. But we've definitely been in that tough spot having those conversations. And I think other franchisees see that and know that and know that as a leader, you'll you'll take that role when you need to, and they'll hop on board and understand that this is where we need to go. 
So you guys all are pretty dialed in. Culture is a huge part of your business strategy and model. What are some, I think, Raj, you had mentioned before about, you know, uh, uh, or maybe Stacey did about a, a podcast you would listen to. What are some thought leaders that you've sort of looked to, or what are the podcasts that you're listening to or, or that that help drive you that other people maybe they haven't heard of some of these names can kind of pick up and take away? Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> Jamie J from uh, Bottleneck Virtual Assistance. He actually uh, used to do some tech for us. Anybody know him? Slapshot Studios. He is Culture Eat Strategy, and his podcasts are great. Uh, definitely follow some uh, the Anytime Fitness guys. They're a fantastic brand. Uh, you get to see the passion uh, in the, the two co-founders and CEOs. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I've been following him for uh, now 15 years. Um, and then just anyone who drives a great organization and has uh, a real focus on a culture, having a chief heart officer, a fun officer, and seeing, actually, it's sometimes good to see people who are not, who claim a culture and not following through with it, you can actually get a lot of learnings from there and see what mistakes not to make. Because sometimes uh, every, there's a lot of good thought leaders out there, they're doing a great job, but looking at the mistakes is a better way to, you know, find mistakes in yourself. Yeah, I mean, I would sum it up this way. Um, you know, in terms of strategy, Stacy, uh, a lot of us have a strategy. Strategy means that we have a plan. So you can plan to be the best. You can have a strategy to be the best. But simply stated, uh, you have to ask yourself, what is it we can be the best at? Not we want to be the best at this. And if it is what you're doing, it's so much easier to do, and everybody has real buy-in and I find it to be a, a lot faster to get to be the best. And who are we the best to? I mean, if we're not the best to our consumers and the needle doesn't move, sure. all we're doing is patting ourselves on the back and say, hey, we did it, we're the best, we think so. Great. Great. And um, one more, um, Josh York, gym guys. I don't know if anybody watches his stuff, but he's fuel, passion, oh, a couple left, oh, yeah. total passion in everything that he does. And people buy in, you can't help it can't be energized by him. So that's another name. Very cool. Can't help be energized. So on that note, you were saying about sort of, you know, mistakes and learnings and, and from other people. What's something that you've done that you've been successful that you're kicking yourself you didn't do earlier? Something that you should have started with instead of waiting? I didn't get rid of toxic people early enough. Uh, we become lazy and say, they're okay, whether it's an employee or even a franchisee that's toxic, and we all have them. Uh, you have to identify it, and I think all of us are good at identifying it. Not many of us are good at executing on how to get that to exit the system, and that's a really, really tough one, because everybody uh, views it differently, but when someone is toxic, I try to do my best to either convert them, which is literally impossible, and it's not that they're toxic with us. They're toxic their whole life with everything, I find out. It's just who they are, what they do. And I try not to be around negative people. I call them energy vampires. They suck the damn energy right out of you. And uh, you know, you realize the old 80-20 rule. You know, 80% of our support goes to 20% of the franchisees. It's no different in any system. So how do we do that? And we all become complacent. There's always so many things we're doing. We're all focused on development and being here at this conference and doing all these things. But there's a toxic person living somewhere under our brand. And we have to identify them and kind of figure out how to you know, get that to change. <laughs> yeah, ditto. I hate confrontation and uh, just waiting and waiting because it's always easier to, you know, you're, uh, 
you just let it slide a little bit and say, hey, I'll get to it next month. And then it becomes next year, two years down, but the damage that, that it creates is uh, it's crazy. No, it's a crazy paradox because your, your culture is passion and caring and bending over backwards, and then someone who's toxic then sort of weaves into that and takes advantage. So you get this you know, contradiction of how you want to treat people, but then you're not getting it reciprocated, and it's a very difficult thing, especially where people person. I struggle with that myself. Tom, I have a question. Yeah. I wanted to ask the franchisors in the room, do any of you have a, a group of franchisees that uh, interview your franchise candidates? Who said yes? Yeah. Yeah. Would you tell us about that? I mean, that's okay, Tom. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, it has so many benefits, right? So we have a few core, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, we have a few core franchisees who have agreed to participate in the validation, not necessarily the validation process, the interview pro process, and they know we're going to um, ask for their feedback and take it very seriously from a franchise standpoint. So, does does the rest of your franchise community consider them the you know the the anointed children, because you select two or three people? Sometimes, and that could create its own own problems too. We just started the process, so. So, so would you recommend we kind of mix it up and? Uh, yes, we haven't we haven't done it yet, but yes, I would recommend. But why would you want to mix it up? Because if you are the brand, and you really think these are the best representations of your brand, don't you want to select them rather than just try to get a mix? Well, so, so hopefully you have more good franchisees than not. Sure. So if you have three, because you can't have 12 franchisees interviewing one person, it Correct. kind of gets overload. So if, uh, we're thinking about doing this, and we, we love getting franchisees involved in everything we do. Mm -hmm. So if I can find two or three that are, you know, it's that bell curve, right? 10% of my franchisees can't get out of their own way, don't do anything marketing-wise. 80% of our franchisees in the bell curve, they're happy, they're content, they're doing their thing. And then the final 10%, they're, they're the top guns. They're knocking the cover off the ball. So based on who we bring in, I try to get, you know, kind of people in the middle and people on, on, the, on the top side and higher side, but I want to make sure we, we continue to get new people in. I don't want to hear from the same three franchisees all the time because maybe it gets a little uh, tainted that way, you know. Sure. I just want to mix up. I didn't know if that happened. And also, you. if you've got a lot of people in the pipeline, you've got your franchisees being called yeah, you often can't over, and you yeah, can't overwhelm right. them. It's not, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it's a challenge because I know what you mean about how, and that's actually part of the culture. That's a good thing about mixing it up in terms of leadership is that, you know, the franchisor sort of sits in a position for the franchisees in the room. You don't want to feel that there's, you got to eliminate the politics. So maybe that's a question. How do you, what steps do you do? Maybe that's one, Rocco, of rotating people through committees and even though you blend to, hey, I just want to hear from these people because Because everybody has an agenda, right? Right. So sooner or later, those franchisees will have an agenda and I don't know that keeping them in that same place too long is... How about you, okay. Raj? Any way to sort of eliminate politics, or is it just part of the... We haven't got there yet. Um, I love a couple of these ideas, so I'm sure we'll try to implement that. Uh, one thing we were also thinking about is peer reviews of locations. So uh, franchisee, franchisees reviewing franchisees or doing store drop-ins. Uh, just oh, yeah. because sometimes... I don't know if it works. I've heard it works in uh, many cases. Um, but sometimes franchisees just don't want to hear from the franchisor there's that uh, that block or that so the peer-to-peer -peer review uh, can probably be a little bit more beneficial and you can get the whole group kind of moving in one way and conforming I go to a negative end of that what if your franchisee comes out and says well, I'm not going to do that for you because you're just selling more franchise that's making more money for you right 
That's the guy you don't want on that committee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, that brings up a good point of how do you, how do you get in alignment for the franchisors in the room of that pushback? Like, I don't want you to grow. How do you, how do you get that message out that it's better for you as a franchisee? Yeah, so um, again, you've got someone that's never been an entrepreneur and we try to get them to understand the investment they made. So like it or not, they already invested in our brand. Now, anything you've invested in, wouldn't you want it to grow? Why would you want to put a lid on this? Now, the common answer is, well, you know, not in my backyard, right? But um, if you don't develop in that market, I guarantee your competitor will. But that we can't control. So if we put five stores in a market, we can control that. If we put one in a market and our competitor puts 10 in, I can't control that. So I guess they have to just look at it through a little bit of a different lens. And sometimes uh, that helps them understand the overall process. Okay, we, 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 we're teaching the fact that if you put one in there, you're going to start. If we put two in there, you're both going to drop. Yeah, uh, years ago, I did a study for Hand and Stone. And um, we took the Philadelphia market where they had 40 stores. And we took a Texas market where they had six spas. And uh, what happened was the Philadelphia market average unit sales were $600,000 higher than the Texas market. Now, they're in a different business model, and a lot of it is gift cards. So when you have 40 stores, you're selling a lot more gift cards than six. Mm -hmm. So all that business came back. But it did allow um, these, these franchisees in smaller markets to understand that they do need to expand. And like I said earlier, if you don't, your competitor absolutely will. During our discovery day and during our training, we talk about the franchise's goal of how many units we want to grow to so that it's already put out there. And we have that discussion early on, so they know they're kind of part of that process. And we're driving billboards, right? So they understand, too, that the more of them that are on the road, the more it's going to benefit them. But we have that conversation early on. And to add to that, uh, in our franchise, we manufacture French macaroons and the product that we sell to the franchisees. So we're telling them if we can get more units, um, or more units in a certain area, we get better distribution, uh, the costs come down, and the cost of go the goods are going to fall. So that's another reason for them to comply. And I'm go. sorry, no, go. maybe a little cheesy, but at our awards dinner every year, we, we award people who are behaving the way we want them to behave. We don't, we don't call it that. that yes, yeah, so we've got our brand ambassador award. Yes. Yes, okay. we've got a bunch of very cool, creative, fun bus terminology awards that we give out to award those people. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of pressure with a name like fun bus. Like everything has oh, to be fun. It's fun. <laughs> no, it's easy. It's fun. <laughs> so my question is, what if the culture's great with franchisee, but they're just not performing? Like they're absolutely like the best culture fit. Like they love the brand. They don't talk anything about it, right? Their EBIT is basically zero, but they're happy as all can be. But obviously that comes back to the franchisor, right? You're not making all that royalty money that you could be making because they're just kind of status quo. How do you deal with that? So w would you blame it on the site? Or they're, or they're happy, right? They're extremely happy. Culture's all done. But are they good operators? No. Okay. Exactly. So bad operators will fail, right? Yeah. So if you can train them to be better operators, follow the system, get the metrics, great. If, I mean, the good news is they're happy, so you know you can have fun talking to them. But uh, I don't know that they're ever going to be able to follow the system or be a top performer. So maybe you try to exit them out, sell their market, and st so still culture is more than just feeling good. It's yeah, so following I think I think the, the answer is promote them to a customer. <laughs> In the moving business, it's good. You just, yeah. We'll move you. <laughs> yeah, Rocco is exactly right. Um, I think it was David Barr just at the IFA uh, showed a little graph. Um, 
basically it's a two by two metric uh, matrix uh, willingness uh, to learn and to grow and capability and you basically can kind of figure out what to do if they're willing and capable they're probably your best franchisees if they're willing but not capable you can train them if they're capable but not willing get them out they're cancerous and if they're not willing or capable uh, sell them or yeah or call your lawyer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anymore I'm gonna wrap up with a final question here as we get close to uh, two o'clock and as I mentioned you know feel free to stick around and continue to network uh, after the meeting you guys have been a terrific panel thank you uh, this is good stuff we keep keep going so um, I always like to ask this you know as kind of a wrap-up to tie it all together you know thinking about culture thinking about things that you can improve for both you know franchisees in the room and franchisors if the audience could leave with one idea or one thought related to the topic um, what would it be Rocky you want to start at the end and work our way back um. Gee, Tom, you know, um, I love what I do. I love the people I work with. Uh, and if I didn't, I should be doing something else. Uh, if I could leave you with one nugget, uh, when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, you say to yourself, am I doing the best I can? Forget what everyone else tells you. The people that pat you on the back probably say, love your hair, hate your guts. They'll never tell you what they really think. It's an old Southern thing. But if you really have to look in the mirror and say, am I doing the right thing for the right reason? And am I representing the brand? And can I do better? And who do I need to do better? I guarantee you, challenging yourself like that every day, every week, every month, will always allow you to have an open mind allow people to help you do what you do. One of the big questions I always ask is, if you were king for a day, what would you be doing? What would you be suggesting we do? And everybody wants to be king for a day or a minute or an hour, and they open up. And you know, thank them for what they do, uh, and I always encourage good ideas. All ideas are good, by the way. Not all are able to be implemented, but all ideas are good, and we encourage our franchisees to do that and tell me what we should be doing there. I don't have all the ideas. And uh, you know, if, if they're not gonna work, maybe they need, require too many resources, or maybe they don't affect the bottom line, or maybe they're not good for the brand overall, but they're still good ideas. And some of them we have been implementing. So look in the mirror, use that mirror as your tool. What I would say is um, take the weekend to define your culture. What do you really want your, your brand or um, your franchise to be, and then Look at your management team. Uh, it's probably not that big. You could probably go through all 10, 20, even 100 people and figure out how you can impact each person. Maybe someone wants more money. The other person wants more education, more opportunity. And I'm sure if you go through each person and kind of touch them at the human level and within your cultural parameters, I think you'll see better growth. You'll see better performance. And um, you know, sticking to the culture that you're defining. Ditto to that, but I would add that if if you're an emerging brand, before it gets too far, make sure that culture has been established and that all of your training materials and everything that you're offering to those franchisees is aligning with that culture and your team aligns with that culture as well. Because I've been there, having to back up is a lot harder than going forward with the right culture. That was great. Thank you guys. You guys were great. Cool. Thank you very much. <laughs>